Hey, this is Bert Sperling again with bestplaces.net. And we've got something special today. It's another mailbag where we hit user questions, but instead of like doing a deep dive into each one, we're doing a speed round. So we're going to try and get through as many as possible in about 30 minutes. And we're going to just dump out all the information. <laughs> You're going to have, it's going to be an information overload. So it's going to be a fun round and stick around. I think you're going to learn a lot. And with us here, we've got the Best Places gang. We've got Al Olson. There's Al. And we've got uh, Bertrand Sperling. Hi, everyone. There's Bertrand, our Chief Operating Officer. And Al is our Chief Technology Guy. And then we have Nick Arnold. Hey everyone. Chief Geospatial Guy and Cartographer here. He sure is. Yeah, he does a great job. So, and I'm Bertrand, I'm Bert Sperling, and I've been doing this for about 35 years, and uh, we've got a great team of people here at bestplaces.net. So, let's jump right into it. Al, what do you got for us? So, Alstrom JK, he said, five years ago, we moved from Vancouver, Washington to Half Moon Bay, California to be near our daughter. Two years ago, she moved out of state. We're wondering if there is a better place to live than Vancouver, Washington. Our criteria are no tornadoes, no flash floods, no earthquakes, no hurricanes, no hot summers, no frozen winters. Vancouver stacks up well in these criteria, but still wondering if there is a better place. Well, um, you're in luck. The best places team is up in this area uh, close to Vancouver. I just wanted to highlight quickly that the Portland metro area um, checks all those boxes. So a couple of places you might want to look, um, if you stay on the Washington side, there's no state income tax. Um, you might want to look at Camas, Washington. That's a place that ranked number one in the country years ago for the best places for families. And Bert had a, uh, a book about that that came out. Um, and then also on the other side of Vancouver, you might want to look at um, Salmon Creek, Ridgefield area, um, both the east and west uh, ends of Vancouver um, stack up really well as far as a good place. Um, so I, I like else? the, uh, Al, I like the Olympia area too. I think Olympia is could, could grow a lot. I think it has a lot of growth. State capital, it's on the Puget Sound. I think it has a lot of growth opportunity there. Yeah, good thought. Good job. Cool. Great. So next question, who's next? Well, I'll take one. Um, Mike Blaha says, I'm currently living in Santa Barbara, but can't afford to purchase a home. Gee, welcome to the club, Mike. Uh, very expensive there. Very beautiful. Um, you can hang out with, uh, Megan and Harry and uh, Oprah around that area in the Montecito area, uh, if, if you could afford it, but, uh, what are the, uh, some reasonably priced smaller places with an artist vibe that don't have Arctic weather weather wise, I'm darn spoiled here in Santa Barbara. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much perfect living. Okay. Here's what I suggest, Mike. Um, since you obviously like California West coast, um, I would go up north to, say, the Mendocino, uh, Eureka area. Uh, they're having some water supply problems. I don't know if that's going to be resolved, but you might uh, might hope for the best. It's worth taking a look at it. So the Mendocino area, Eureka, California, up north. Um, I would also then keep going north into Oregon. 
because if you want sort of a um, artist vibe, um, some places along the Oregon coast, it's like the seventies never left. they still love Jerry Garcia and they wear tie dye and that sort of thing. Uh, basically Bandon uh, is and Brookings. Now it's, it's far from um, uh, a major Metro area. So yeah, that might be an issue, but they are lovely spots. It's kind of a depressed economy there. And the prices I think are still fairly reasonable. So Bandon, Brookings, Gold Beach, uh, moving northward uh, up the Oregon coast. In the Washington coast, there surprisingly, there's not a lot of development along the Washington coast. Um, not a lot of uh, cities of any size. Uh, it's mostly along the, um, uh, um, the Puget Sound area. And let's see. What else would you want? I, we were just talking about uh, the Olympic, uh, the Olympia, Washington area. I think Olympia is going to grow quite a bit. For a while, I was saying Tacoma uh, is going to grow. Now, Tacoma has taken a lot of the um, uh, people leaving sort of Seattle, uh, being unable to afford Seattle. And next down the road is Olympia. I think Olympia is a spot to look at. It's a state capital. It's going to have a strong economy. And uh, it's going to have great weather. And you're also on Puget Sound. So I would take a look at that. So that's my thoughts, Mike. And good question. Uh, and I hope you got some answers, some stuff to look at. Guys, any thoughts? I think we're going to move on to the next question. Yeah. Solid advice. Next question comes from Deanne Adams. Uh, she asks, which mountain and foothill towns in North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia would a Democratic progressive person feel most comfortable to retire? And what I can tell you for sure is that no individual place, is, I mean, there are some liberal bastions out there, but for the most part, in an average place in America, any given town has both liberal and conservative types of pockets more often than not. What you want to look for if you're looking for probably more progressive things are the pockets of those towns where those exist, but you're going to find them more often than not in places where, especially in a smaller town where universities are, you know, that, that's a really decent indicator more often than not. Um, it doesn't also have to be ultra, ultra Democrat for you to feel comfortable there if you find that pocket that you might be looking for. So to answer your question uh, regarding Georgia, especially you know, you might want to look at an Athens. Um, if you're, it's, it's sort of in the foothills a little bit. It's a college town. University of Georgia is there. Um, if you look at a lot of political and voting data, it probably comes across relatively moderate. Um, you could say the same thing about a Greenville, South Carolina, or a Spartanburg, South Carolina. Those are college towns kind of operating in the moderate mindset. Those are absolutely in the foothills, not far at all from the really nice mountains just to the farther northwest. Um, as far as South Carolina goes, is the most liberal place is probably going to end up being around Columbia. University of South Carolina is there. It's the largest city. It's the capital. Um, it, all, it comes across in voting data as being overwhelmingly um, liberal. But again, you, know, you can find pockets anywhere of liberally conservative to fit your bill. If you want to look a little more granular, start looking at zip codes or specific neighborhoods. Um, regarding North Carolina, there's actually a, quite a few more places that um, people are familiar with being relatively liberal. 
Um, Chapel Hill is a fairly liberal place. It's uh, got University of North Carolina there. Um, they call the Raleigh-Durham uh, Chapel Hill area the research triangle because there are, are a, a number of really great universities there. Duke University is there. NC State is there. A lot of research happens there. Therefore, there, there ends up being a lot of people affiliated with universities, and it sort of helps to create that sort of democratic sort of you know feel to that place. It's also a pretty large city and not necessarily in the mountains, but kind of it's they call the area the Piedmont. It's sort of like a rolling hills type foothill sort of experience. You can look there. Um, Bert's already mentioned today that Asheville is a nice place to look. A smaller town, further definitely west in North Carolina, absolutely in the mountains. Still operates on a fairly liberal sort of mindset. People are relatively familiar with, you know, Asheville versus Austin versus Portland being like hipster capitals. Uh, that's absolutely a place you could look as well. Um, but yeah, like I said, you know, consider more moderate places because you'll be able to find pockets of what you're looking for in a lot of places. Those are just some really good examples, though, for those three states. Yeah. Um, one thing also, Nick, I've heard that uh, Blacksburg uh, area, Blacksburg, uh, Virginia area has uh, gotten a lot of attention and uh, showed a lot of sort of home growth uh, price increases these days as people are moving out of the larger areas and looking for other places. So it's another thing, um, another example of how things are changing. That's right. And that actually is another great example of a college town. That's where Virginia Tech is. Exactly. Yep. Michael Vick. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> is that the, it's not the Mountaineers. It's something else, right? The Hoagies? Hokies. 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 Yeah. Hokies. Hokies. Yeah. Hokies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mountaineers is a West Virginia University. West Virginia. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. Cool. Cool. Okay, so we got another one. All right, we got Sam who says, I suffer from seasonal depression uh, and I'm looking for a mid-sized town, 800K max population, with a really good amount of sunshine that's mostly conservative, with lower costs on new construction, plenty of outdoor activities, waterfalls, parks, rivers, forests, mountains, a good economy, non-dangerous weather, and low traffic. Okay. And he has identified some places that he's looked at so far, Greenville, South Carolina. And it looks like he's identified some possible issues with each of these places that he's researched so far. Greenville, he says, has rainy overcast summers. Des Moines, Iowa has lack of outdoors. Port, Port St. Lucie in Florida, uh, hurricane risk. Boise, Idaho has high housing and wildfire smoke. Austin has traffic and high housing, and Indianapolis has a high murder rate. So the things that come to mind with when you're talking about a mid-sized town with a really good amount of sunshine uh, and mostly conservative, that makes me think of Florida and Arizona. So you could probably check out, uh, tick off two of your primary boxes there by looking at places in Florida and Arizona. I would look at places that are outside the major areas like Miami um, and maybe outside of Phoenix. A lot of people are actually moving to Phoenix, especially conservatives uh, who are who like kind of California type weather, but they're fed up with kind of the liberal stuff that's going on in, a, in, in LA. Um, so I would look at 
at Florida and Arizona to start some of the smaller, uh, you know, you're looking for a mid-sized town. 800 K is not what we usually, uh, classify as a mid-sized town. That would be a larger yeah. metro area. In fact, I don't even know how many places are above 800 K, uh, maybe 25 or 30 or. Yeah, I think you're right, Bertrand. Yeah. 25 or 30 is it. That's, that's about right. Yeah. So there's really, you're actually looking at a handful um, so I don't know how small, at, so if there's that, uh, upper range, I don't know how small you want to look, but I would look at, uh, Florida and Arizona. I think that would tick a lot of boxes for you. And they're, they are, you know, the Florida has Everglades. You can look at the Mandrake fields and the places you can go Everglading. There's lots of nice places to do outdoor stuff there. I spent some time in, uh, Miami and the Keys a couple of years ago and it's, <clears throat> A lot of great stuff to do there, and I haven't been to Arizona that much except for driving through it, but I know that they do have um, a fair amount of national parks and some pretty cool stuff to do there, too. So that's where I would start my search, and I think your initial um, search there, uh, Sam, is pretty good. I, I wouldn't, if I were to look at Boise and Austin, like we talked about on our last podcast, Boise and Austin have already been discovered. <laughs> Um, so if you want to look at those areas, which is, would be fine. I would look at places kind of on the suburbs, uh, like Al and Nick talked about, you can kind of get clues from where the hot places and say, okay, I'm going to live 10 or, you know, about 10, 15 miles away out of town and get a lot of the benefits of that area without having to pay the peak prices that are closer to the city core. Yeah. I would say Austin is sort of like, um, done uh as far as like over the top um i would look you know south of austin if you're interested in the austin area uh sort of the south of austin between um san antonio and austin there's some really cool little towns uh grunville i think is one of them uh and other places along that sort of the highway there uh west in the texas hill country that are very cool um i would in, what do you think, quickly, Nick, what do you think of Indianapolis? You lived around that area. Well, you know, I, I can completely agree about the, uh, I wouldn't say necessarily explicitly the murder rate, but I know that they do suffer traditionally from having relatively high crime. That said, I wouldn't necessarily exclude Indianapolis for that because there are a lot of very nice places. As we've mentioned, not every city is just totally overrun with a high murder rate. There are really great towns in and around Indianapolis, uh, Carmel, Fishers, Indiana, those types of places that are really, really very nice, very safe to live in. Of course, you know, Indianapolis lacks some of the outdoor activities, uh, but they have gotten better in recent years about, you know, facilitating more of the, the modern, you know, way of life of, you know, having walkable places, trails, you know, things like that where you can really enjoy the outdoors. But I, I certainly wouldn't rule out Indianapolis based on that. Honestly, it's there are really nice places of Indianapolis as well. Yeah, I would also look at uh, maybe New Mexico. There's some pretty neat places around New Mexico. Basically, if you're looking for plenty of outdoor activities, you're not going to find them in, in places that are flat. So like much of Texas, I would say Texas doesn't have a lot of uh, mountainous or uh, varied terrain. Uh, I don't think of Texas when it comes to outdoor activities. Uh, same thing with Florida, uh, generally, except maybe water related. 
But uh, I would say looking at places that are mildly uh, mountainous or uh, have uh, water features, that's going to give you a lot more um, forests uh, and uh, uh, things to do on the water. So I would look at that. I still like the Ozarks. I think the Ozarks are pretty cool. Might be worth taking a look at. But also take a look at like Las Cruces, uh, New Mexico, Alamogordo, uh, places like that. Um, that might be pretty interesting. And I also wouldn't, I wouldn't totally, you know, ignore Greenville, South Carolina. I know, Sam, that you note that it's got rainy overcast summers, but it tends to be a little less overcast and a little more scattered showery. And I know that you say you're suffering from seasonal depression. If that happens to be a wintertime thing, that actually ends up being when it's nicest out in that part of South Carolina, as you mentioned, you know, it is rainy in the summer sometimes, but hey, it's it's not the same type of rain we get in the Northwest. You get a passing shower, the sun comes back out for a while, and then you get another shower. So if you're thinking about that as a problem, you know, I, I might take a peek during the summer, drive up and check it out and see what it's like if you happen to be nearby. It, it might be worth your while to, to not necessarily ignore it because, again, a lot of that is in the summer. And if you're having seasonal depression, I think that tends to happen more in the winter than the summer. So it could you know, balance out and be a surprisingly nice place. In fact, you could go to bestplaces.net where we have a lot of this information and we have a, mm -hmm. a gloominess uh, quotient and we look at the number of cloudy days and we look at the rainfall, how many days it rains, all that sort of thing. Uh, we've got a lot of really neat information, bestplaces.net. So right. <laughs> and, and Bert, you were just showing us on the last podcast, if you go to any place page on best places and then you click on weather along the left-hand navigation rail there, it will show you, uh, right, uh, Bert and, and Al and Nick, and that it will show you by month um, the comfort score. And so that will allow you. So, and yeah, I, I, that's a good Thanks for bringing that up, Nick. I didn't mean to gloss over, um, Sam, your question. It seems, it seems like you led with seasonal depression. So that's a primary concern for you, um, which is a, definitely a, a, a real issue. And yeah, so you can look, so if you're looking at a place and you can go to our website and see how it rates um, during those winter months when SA, seasonal affective disorder, SAD, does uh, start to become an issue for a lot of people. Yeah. Great. Well, I think uh, that's a pretty good place to stop. What do you think, guys? Yep, sounds great. Well, yeah. do we have any trivia yeah. questions? Because I'll 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 um say that when we were trying, someone did get the people have been answering the trivia questions and have been cashing in on their one year premium subscriptions that are free if you answer uh, the trivia questions that we put out here on our podcast. Uh, one person got the uh, deepest lake in America, and they even got the bonus question, which is what's and what's the island that lives at the center of that deepest lake, which is Crater Lake in Oregon and Wizard uh, Island. Nice. And then also, um, when we did our education podcast, we asked for the exact instant with a timestamp of when Al was able to fix a coding issue <laughs> and a performance issue on our website in real time while shooting the podcast. <laughs> and someone actually posted on YouTube, he was able to identify the exact moment that Al was able to fix that issue in real time, which is an amazing uh, IT feat 
And I, I challenge anyone uh, who's in the IT field to uh, match that performance, which is not easy. It's no. kind of like no. drinking a Coke and having a Happy Meal while doing yeah. the... And eating a Hot Pocket. <laughs> and eating a Hot Pocket while doing a double flip off the, off the balance beam. It's pretty amazing. So nice. someone did answer that. So if anyone has a, a trivia question on deck that they want to throw out. I, I've, I've got a trivia question. Great. Um, so I'm, um, Mike DePano wrote, what coastal communities are best for retirees to live that have no seed income tax? So I can think of a number of states um, that have no seed income tax, but I'm going to narrow it down to a community um, that has a U.S. Coast Guard station. Mm. It is also known for it's close to the most shipwrecks that have ever happened in the United States. Um, and it's also, um, of course it has no state income tax and it's also close to another state that has a lot of good amenities. Um, so if, if you can think of, maybe I'll narrow it down even more. Cape disappointment. So if you can't figure that out, then um, it might be a race to see who can come up with the name of this place the quickest. That sounds grim. Hey, you know, one thing we should talk about when we talk about coastal places, we should mention the Great Lakes because the Great Great Lakes are definitely coastal, not just not just salt water. There you go. Um, Very true. Yeah. So Al, I. I think I know what you're talking about, but and it's funny because Bert just said something. I was listening to the NPR thing, um, like wait, wait, don't tell me or something, or the trivia yeah. thing they have. Yeah. I just listen to NPR in my car. I'm officially 75 years old now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but they were talking about that place that had the actual most shipwrecks in a, in. And I and I'm I'm a kind of a, one of my hobbies is a pirate aficionado. I love reading about the pirate era and what happened. There was about 200 years in, in there in the 14 to 1400s to 1600s and what happened around mostly the Caribbean. Um, so I was going to guess, and they threw up like dry Tortuga. I think it's around Jamaica or something like that. But there's Tor- Tortuga, Cartagena, and all these places that have a bunch of shipwrecks from the olden days, mm-hmm. the pirate era. And so I guessed one of those, but I was actually wrong about the place in America that has the most shipwrecks. Um, so I don't know if, Al, if, you, if your trivia question was the most shipwrecks or just a lot of shipwrecks. <laughs> I don't have the data in front of me. Yeah. Um, but it's we could just classify it as one of the places that has the most shipwrecks. So, okay. um, it's uh, it's a place where the U.S. Coast Guard trains mm. because the weather there is so ominous that mm. they have actually the the ships there have uh, scuba so that when they go underwater, which these ships do, they can still breathe 
and they're strapped into the ship. So they're actually, it turns into a submarine. And then when the ship comes up (laughs) out of the water, it writes itself back if it turned over and they're able to keep going. So, yeah, yeah. That's, that's amazing. What those, uh, coast guard motor life uh, boats will, will do, or the, the, the vessels that they have. Yeah. When Al says they go into water, they, they, the waves are so huge. These 42 foot motor, uh, motor whale boats or motor vessels will go flip completely end over end or mm-hmm. upside down. And they'll be underwater for a while before they pop <laughs> back up again. It's pretty right. amazing. Right. Well, Bert, you know, some people at, at the coast guard, you should hook up a um, best places expedition. Can they yeah. take us out on one of those things or is there, are there legal issues or maybe we can sign a waiver? Let's find something. out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, uh, my wife's, my wife's uncle actually did that in the coast guard. He's a lifetime coast guard guy. And he used to tell us stories about flipping boats over for training at Cape disappointment. Pretty, wow. pretty that's crazy. awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So are we going to, uh, are we done recording? Or are we going to keep going or I think no. we're done. Um, What's that, Bert? Yeah, I, I'm. Uh, I think we're done. Yeah, we got 28, about 25 minutes. I will. Um, yeah. Let, so Bert, I, I don't me, know let me, exactly. Let me, let me get a. Let me get a Bert. Let me get a, a sign off from you before I stop recording. Great. Okay. Um, yeah. So yeah. Okay, so we've answered some questions. We've had our lightning round, and uh, I think that was a lot of fun. And uh, we'll do this again sometime very soon. Uh, check with us at bestplaces.net. Send in your questions and be sure to go to best places for all the information that you need to find your own best place to live. So once again, here we have Bertrand Sperling, Al Olson, Nick Arnold, and me, Bert Sperling, uh, coming to you and and uh, helping you pick out your own best place and providing lots of information. We'll see you on the web at bestplaces.net. See you later.